Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey everyone, I'm Andy. Hey, 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 it's Tiffany. And And this this is Brown Brown Ambition. I've been a reporter in New York City for five years. Right now I'm a writer at Yahoo Finance. I write about money, business, career, basically anything to do with the world and how it impacts your wallet. And I am Tiffany, but much better known as the Budgetista, and I'm a financial educator, best-selling author, speaker, teacher, all things personal finance, basically. On this podcast, we're going to be talking about career, relationships, life, and living in this brown skin. We work, we start businesses, we help one another, we do everything we can to make a better life for ourselves, and that's what Brown Ambition is all about. So here are some topics you might hear us talk about on the podcast. How to deal with office bullies and microaggressions. Coping with being the only one in the office. Yes. (laughs) How to get money for a new business even when you have no idea what you're doing. Should you care if people think you have resting bitch face? Guilty. (laughs) What to do when Bay earns less than you? Guilty, guilty. (laughs) Whether or not we should use the word Bay in everyday conversations. I have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, Well, thank you so much for joining us, guys. We're going to start off the podcast by talking about some buzzworthy headlines that are cropping up in our lives. And we want to talk more about it. This week's buzzworthy. Yes. I'm excited about this one. I think I'm, I am I know I'm excited too. I have a lot of opinions about this mm-hmm. and so does the rest of America. Yes. So many opinions on how a young woman today decides the right time to step into motherhood. Yes. Baby limbo. Baby limbo. Yes. Right. It's this, uh, you know, I kind of came up with this terminology for mm-hmm. a story I did on young people, millennials, 18 to up to their mid 30s who are stuck between... Do I have all this college debt or do, you know, pay that off and Mm -hmm. focus on my career or do I also have a baby Mm. or, you know, what should come first? Um, And honestly, it's such a difficult question because Mm -hmm. Mother Nature doesn't wait for you to pay off your student loan debt. And I think that women have to recognize that fact. And it's maybe not so comfortable because, you know, obviously we want to talk about how much control uh, we should have over our our own bodies, which is absolutely true. You should, you know, be your own body's boss. But at the end of the day... Like, that clock is ticking. Yeah, it's true. So I'm 35, and I turned 36 in October, um, which is not far away. And, I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot because I am in a serious relationship. Me and my boyfriend, Superman, he already has a daughter. She's eight. She's great. Dating (laughs) a man with a daughter. That's some grown-up dating. Yes, but I love it, honestly, because, one, I'm at an age now, and because I work for myself... 
I realized I don't necessarily want a huge family. I came from a family, there was five girls. My mom and dad raised all five of us. And I don't know that I want a big family, but I at least think I'm pretty sure I want at least one kid of my own. I mean, according to my mom, I really need to get on it. And I, I kind of feel like that too. My best friend just had a baby and my sister just had a baby. And so their babies are all under a year old. And so Maybe I've been fever? like, yeah, a little bit, but sometimes you feel your ovaries start to twinge a little bit. When you see that. <laughs> More so that I'm like, oh, I'm going to be 36. So when are you going to make a choice? Mm-hmm. A friend of mine had, she made her choice at 36 and had her baby at 37. And she said, I wish I would have started sooner. That's what I hear. Yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah. Because sooner would be, I'm 28 right now, mm-hmm. and I feel like, am I going to regret not having a baby now? I don't know. But it seems like the I just don't want to do it. The Her reason for saying she wished she would have started sooner is that she wished she really wants to have a second, and she doesn't know. If she can. Yeah, if she can. Mm-hmm. So that's why. I don't know that I want to have a second. I mean, I would want to have two kids, but between his one and my one, I'm like, well, there goes one plus one makes two. Last yeah, time one I for checked. free. <laughs> yes, she's the bonus kid. <laughs> And so, and plus I do so much work and I really want to, and I know this might sound a little selfish, but I want to maintain my individual personality and maintain, selfish is okay. you know, as long as you know, I mean, I think selfish would be more so having 10 kids and still wanting to fly around the country and speak and teach and you don't have enough time for your children. So mm-hmm. I don't want to spread myself super thin. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully you just have one kid to start. I know. Well, my boyfriend's a twin, so he Can is you just. you imagine how, oh, Jesus, <laughs> Lord, no. <laughs> I'm like, yo, he's, he told me already, like, so I'm aiming for does twins. That, does that gene come from the male line? Or the, I don't Which know. is more likely to get, oh. Somebody, somebody uh, email us at... Um, BrownAmbitionPodcast at, at gmail.com. Yes, and tell us, how exactly are twins uh, formulated? Does that come from the male line, the female line? Is that... Is it hereditary? Yeah. Is it hereditary? Or is that like some sort of random? I do think it skips a generation, so you might be good. Okay. Maybe you're if you have a daughter, then she's got to worry. But yes. you're good. So so you oh, say God. until I come back to the next podcast. And I'm like, so y'all, I'm having twins. Thanks, Mandy. Right. <laughs> I can talk about well, you know, I'm I'm twenty-eight mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily feel pressure to have a baby. Okay. But I feel I guess that's not true. I don't feel pressure by, from myself. Okay. I don't, I look at puppies and I feel my, my ovaries twinge. Like <laughs> I really want a puppy very badly. Babies, not so much, but mm-hmm. they're cute. What I do feel is intense pressure from, you know, I'm dating, I've been dating uh, my partner and boyfriend mm-hmm. for uh, th- over three years now, which is my longest relationship. Okay. And, you know, we live together and we're kind of, we're kind of playing it. As we, you know, by ear, mm-hmm. um, his family, however, is not waiting, yes. especially his mother. Um, he comes from a very traditional, uh, close-knit community and family. Um, I guess it's not giving away too much if I say he's Dominican. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm in a mixed race, race relationship, um, and his mother is very Catholic and very old school, and she is like the mother of mothers. Mm. She lives to nurture her sons, two sons. They are spoiled, rotten. <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I feel her looking at me and wondering, not just feel, but I hear because she tells me, <laughs> Mandy, Amanda, why, why no baby yet? Why? <laughs> her English isn't very good, but she can, she gets her point across. Yes. Why no baby yet? Where's the baby at? Mm-hmm. Where, where, what, it, uh, it's been three years. <laughs> I've asked her, you know, uh, don't you want us to get married first mm-hmm. and get married and do all that? And you know, the right order of events. And she's like. No, just have a baby. Wow. Is this, would this be her first grandchild? This will be her first grandchild. Mm. There's so much pressure. I know. What? So how about you come from a family of five girls and no one has kids? My oh mother, God. every day on the phone. So my, my Nigerian name is Adochi. My mother would call me and say, so 
although she's still not married, still <laughs> no baby. <laughs> and I'm like, good Are morning, sis. No, second oldest. Oh, okay. So they're just like, so somebody, the, the oldest is married and she's working on it. And I'm the second. The third is not married. The fourth is married. And she just had a baby. So we're like, whew. And, um, but just watching her, she's literally like the milk machine. <laughs> so she's only allowed to take 10 paces away from the baby before the milk machine has to return and dispense milk. You mean it's not glamorous <laughs> and she's not like Blake Lively taking selfies of herself, you know, breastfeeding in a field of sunflowers? Uh, that or is just straight BS. <laughs> okay. Honestly, she's like, I'm so tired. Her feet are swollen. And she's just like, how can I? My mom's like, my mom is a nurse and her, my mom was telling her, you need to put your feet up. She's like, oh, when? When I'm being the milk machine? I work for a company and obviously Yahoo has very generous mm. maternity and paternity um, benefit programs, which isn't the norm nationwide. It's actually. Uh, America is one of the only developing nations that doesn't have a federally mandated paid maternity or paternity leave mm. law. Um, but I'm lucky enough to work for Yahoo, and we have 16 weeks off. That's awesome. Um, and par- uh, dads get eight weeks off. That's and at good. least I know I have that yeah. sort of if I'm still working here when I have a baby, have that kind of cushion. Mm-hmm. But can you talk about like I'm curious as an entrepreneur, self, um, you know, you own your own business. Mm-hmm. How are you going to plan your leave? So um, I've been like honestly like kind of like planning now because um i'm gonna be 36 like i said and i mentioned and my boyfriend and i have been talking about marriage and kids so right now the way my business is is that i start off at zero basically like every month meaning like my income i never know what's gonna come in people would just email me and call me and say we want you to speak or teach or whatever and so as the month rolls on i make money i cannot do that and have the kid because one, you know, I'm going to have to be home. I do a lot of speaking around the country, you know, so that's a worry for me. So I thought, well, how am I going to make this work? So one of the things I'm implementing is I'm looking for other ways to make passive income. So I have two books that do fairly well. I'm coming out with a children's book. Hopefully that will boost up my income. And two, I'm launching this academy called the Live Richer Academy, where it's going to be like a monthly fee and you can take classes on investing and business and all this kind of stuff. And so the Live Richer Academy will definitely help to put regular income into mm-hmm. my stream without me having to leave the house because I'm not going to be able to, at least not for a while. So I'd love to hear what the BA audience has to say. Tweet us at the BA podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Brown Ambition and you can email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. Are you in baby limbo? What is your story? We'd love to hear it. Maybe share it next time we're on. So next up, this is one of my favorite segments. It is Brown Break. Brown Break. <laughs> Means some music. Yeah, it's like Brown Break, Brown we Break. Just need a brown break. <laughs> so, we are tired. <laughs> yeah, so Mandy's gonna really bullshit. how about you share like what <laughs> what is a brown break, Mandy? <laughs> a brown break is just something in your life that you are tired of having to deal with or explain mm-hmm. as a person of color. Mm-hmm. And this week my brown break is white feminism. This is a very uncomfortable issue. I know we like to keep things light and fun as we as much as we can, but white feminism is something that I'm starting to learn a little bit more about. Um, and just to give some background on what brought me to this necessary break in my life. Um, so two of my favorite authors for very different reasons. These authors couldn't be more different. Uh, Erica Jong. Um, amazing author, very popular in the 70s and popular even now. She has a new book coming out. 
Um, she was seen as sort of like one of the first female writers to really embrace women's sexuality. Mm. Writing about a woman who's having sex and saying curse words and sleeping around with no apology. Um, and she did a talk recently at the Decatur Book Festival, shout out to Atlanta, my hometown, um, with Roxanne Gay, another one of my favorite authors. She's the author of Bad Feminist. And someone asks Erica Jong how she feels about white feminism mm -hmm. and the concept of um, white women generally speaking about feminists in a way that can sometimes exclude uh, women of color. Mm -hmm. And this is not a new issue. It's been around since the 70s when the first, or not even the 70s, but you know, when women were trying to get the right to vote. Cut to the 70s when women were fighting for equal pay and things like that. Um, and generally, white women would speak of feminism as if, as if it only applied from their point of view. And we weren't hearing so much from black and brown women. Um, so this is something that I care a lot about. And I have to say, as someone who really respects Erica John, Erica John from like the bottom of my heart, and I love her writing, the way that she handled it wasn't, I think, the best way mm. she could have handled things. She got really defensive. Okay. And I can understand why you'd be defensive, because if you identify as a feminist, and I give her so much respect, she has done so much for the cause, um, for feminism in America, um, and supported so many women. But she immediately was was discounting the whole white mm -hmm. feminism thing. Oh, no, of course not. You know, oh, we've done so much for all women of color, all women of color. You know, everything I've done has been through this lens of, um, you know, all women, all women. And it just seemed like a second iteration of the whole all lives matter thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we kind of saw this play out with um, the whole Nicki Minaj and Taylor Swift beef on Twitter, mm -hmm. where Nicki's trying to make a statement about how black women are treated in the music industry. And then Taylor comes in and talks about why are you trying to make it about you? All women in the music industry are marginalized and, you know, sexualized in different ways and mm. disenfranchised. But no, Taylor, no. <laughs> black women and women of color are way more likely to be marginalized mm -hmm. in the music industry. And not just there. Let's talk about uh, in terms of like the wage gap. That's a huge cornerstone of the feminist movement today mm -hmm. is the fact that women are still earning less than eight, 80 cents on the dollar for a man. Mm. What gets lost when you stop the conversation there is the fact that Latina and black women are much more likely to make less than that. And uh, yeah, I'm just over, I'm over people stopping the conversation at here's what it looks like for all women because all women don't have the same story exactly so you need a brown break from Taking white feminists so my brown break is this whole debate of perm versus natural great <laughs> so i here i am sitting with my effed up like <laughs> bouffant <laughs> my half perm half relaxed awkward <laughs> transition face so mandy's half and half Right. And yeah. here I am fully natural. I have locks for the last like seven years. But honestly, I've been natural since mm, I want to say 2001. Mm -hmm. I don't math good. So I don't know how many years that That's is right like now. 14, 15 years. Yeah. I was honestly natural for the majority of my life. I had a perm for You're about way ahead years. of the curve. Yeah. I was like totally like the natural girl before it became cool. When I went natural at first, I had um, honestly, here's where I went natural. So all throughout high school, I had a, I had a natural hair. I had braids, the brandy braids. For those of you who can remember Brandy Norwood, mm -hmm. <laughs> I wanna be down. So, so I had the braids because I I played sports. I played tennis, and so it didn't make sense for me to have a perm and have permed hair mm -hmm. and play sports. And so I was natural mostly all my life. And then when I went away to college, I was like, oh, I want a perm. I felt like perm was like the next level of like womanhood for Black women. 
And so I got a perm, and two years in, my hair started to fall out. Like I had alopecia. So alopecia is really you when mean putting a very toxic chemical in your hair wasn't good for it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and so my stylist was like, you know what, Tiffany, your texture of hair, it's just like I have really, really tightly coiled hair and it just was not blending well with the perm. So literally the sides started to go first and then the back and the front. And then finally she was like, you're just going to have to let the perm go. And so I cut off all of the perm and I was left with this spiky fro and I realized it was too short to get braided so I was kind of forced to walk around with spike fro and (laughs) I had a so it started to grow out and I kind of liked the fro it was cute it was a cute little afro mini afro but women and older black women started stopping me in the street and literally saying why would you do that to yourself my my was it my mother my father either one of them one of them said to me so you don't plan to marry I'll translate. So you never want to get married. I was like, excuse me. So you don't want to marry. That's what this hair is saying. That's what this is what my. That's what you're putting out there. Yes. <laughs> so this is what I was told. So I couldn't believe how, I don't know, just like how politicized my hair was. I literally just stopped getting a perm because I was going bald. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to make a statement. I wasn't trying to, I don't know, trying to like prove my blackness. It was, hey, I'd like not to be bald. Let me go back to where my hair was. Yeah, (laughs) very practical. But what I found was with time, as time went on, I found that people were politicizing it for me. I would go to like Harlem or New York and people would say, hey, sister. Like they would treat me differently than my friends who I was walking with who had a perm. You know, I wasn't when men even would approach me. It wasn't the same like, hey, shorty, what up? You know, it was like, hi, I just want to tell you that you're so beautiful. And it was different. And I thought that was so, yeah, so strange. And. But now what's happened, at first it was like, I was so happy to see that people were embracing their natural hair. And I was like, yay, yay, yay. But now what's happened, it's like there's two camps. There's the perm camp and there's their natural camp. And sometimes I find that each camp is like looking down on each other. Right. And I'm like, to me, it's just hair. It's just a choice, like a dress or pants or shoes. And you should be able to make your choice and you shouldn't be shamed for having a perm. You shouldn't be shamed for being natural. When to me, it should just be an expression of like just how you want to look today. Yeah. You know, or even if you want to make it, if you want to make it political, that's fine. But that's just not me. And we're here and we're back and we are going to give you some tips, brand ambition tips for today. So what are your tips for today, Tiff? So my main tip for today really is for those of you who are starting a business, um, if this is the very first kind of stage of your business, you have to make a decision of whether or not you want to be a business or look like a business. Right. So this is a business. There's a 14-year-old girl on your block who babysits and she gets paid to. She has a business. You know, very informal, but a business nonetheless, because a business is just when you have a product or service that somebody wants to buy and they do. Now, if you look like a business, looks all fancy, you have your business cards and pens and everything, but haven't made a sale, the 14 year old has a business, you do not. (laughs) So here's how I can help you get to a place where you can actually make money on your business. First, you want to make sure that that your return on there's a direct return on investments in the things that you buy. So what that means is this, that anything that you're buying in the beginning stages of your business should directly make you money. So let's just say you want to be a baker. If you want to be a baker, getting a bakery is not going to directly make you money. Having business cards is not going to directly make you money. That looks like a business. That's not a business. Eggs, flour, 
sugar, shortening, vanilla, seasoning, whatever, those things will directly make you money because you can bake them to make baked goods and sell them. So in the beginning, I really urge new entrepreneurs to really only put your money into things that you can directly repackage and make you money. You're speaking to my dad right now, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Mandy's dad. Big Al, (laughs) who also does photography. Find him at (laughs) altonwoodruff.com. Excellent. Thank you. That was a great tip. Thanks. Um, So I want to talk about how to save on rent and make rent more affordable. And these are tried and true tips that I've actually done to lower my rent. Um, In fact, I moved into a new place about a year and a half ago, and I managed to save, it will be 12, it'll be $2,400 once we hit our two-year mark, because I got them to shave 100 bucks off their asking price for the rent, um, which I was really proud of. And again, it's just like I said, those little asks, just ask for little stuff. You never know what they're going to say. My first tip to save on rent is obviously don't be afraid to negotiate, Mm -hmm. especially if you know that maybe you're uh, moving to a place where there's not as much demand for rental places. Um, ask your landlord, you know, let's say, you know, for example, your rent is $1,600 a month. Um, you have excellent credit. You have references. You come correct with references. And you're ready to show your landlord what a responsible tenant you are. Yes. If you can show them how responsible you are, then ask them for $100 or 10% deduction in the rent. It can work. But again, you have to come prepared with those references and with that good credit. A tenant of mine did that once. Oh, she, really? Yeah, she was 26 years old. I remember I was, I was like, oh, I don't know. But because she came so prepared with everything, and she actually pre-wrote the checks a year in advance to me. So when she asked for less, I was You're like... You're jumping ahead of my next sorry. tip. <laughs> Go ahead. No, but she was like amazing. No, but that works because I'm a, I'm a, I used to be a, a landlord and... Her coming so prepared, I was willing to to offer her less just to have a good tenant in there. Offering months in advance rent payments. Mm. That's a good tip, a Mm -hmm. good strategy. Um, I I don't know if it's so common outside of New York, but a lot of landlords ask for first and last month's rent. Mm Plus security deposit, which I know is 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 hard to come up with. Um, but if you can, if you can offer to pay two or three months, maybe even half a year's rent in advance mm-hmm. up front, um, they'll be willing to shave money off your rent if you Definitely. ask them. They might be. Um, at the end of the day, a landlord has a product that he's trying to sell, and he wants someone who's going to be living there and be responsible exactly. and, to be, and not going to move out you know, and break yep. their lease early. And if you show that kind of commitment, paying in advance can really help you. Um, another strategy that I've used is picking a good time of year to rent. Um, studies show, and my experience shows, that the winter um, winter and early spring are some of the more dry seasons. And as a landlord, mm-hmm. um, there's less competition out there, which means that they're more desperate to rent their place out. And I think that's probably a lot of the reason why I was able to negotiate my rent on when, top of having when was it for good you? credit. I moved in. We were looking for an apartment in February, moved in okay. March 1st. Mm-hmm. So it was an ama- it was a great time. It's way more difficult to negotiate a rent because there's so many people looking for places in May and in September, mm-hmm. end of college and beginning of the school year. Exactly. Uh, definitely. So uh, think about your timing and if you can time it around winter time. It sucks to move in the cold, but money hey, money what? keeps me warm. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say that. What? I'll wear a money jacket. <laughs> and uh, my last tip would be uh, protect your belongings. Mm-hmm. This is like. Please eat your vitamin, eat your vitamins, and like eat your vegetables mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, but seriously, renters insurance is no joke. You need to have it. It costs like ten to fifteen dollars a month. You can easily get a policy if you have car insurance. Call your. I'm sure your insurance company probably offers a renters insurance policy. You can go through your bank. You can go to just a random bank and ask them. Like USAA has a great renters policy, um, and get renters insurance. Here is why. 
if something were to happen to your apartment, mm-hmm. say a fire or a flood or the spring, you know, someone's bathtub overflows up above, which has happened to people before that I know, um, and it drips down and ruins all your furniture, your landlord is going to definitely pay to repair the structure and mm-hmm. to repair the floor and the ceiling, but he has or she has no obligation to take care of your stuff, um, which is why you have to have renter's insurance. And one of the perks of renter's insurance is that it won't even it won't just cover the stuff in your apartment. If you take your laptop computer, you leave it at a friend's place or in your car and it gets stolen. Really? It'll still cover it. That's oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. And it's not even all that expensive. It's literally 10 to $12. You can do estimates online. You can go to Traveler's Insurance. They have a cool tool that you can use. Okay. Um, Bankrate has a cool, I think, Rich's Insurance calculator you can use. Just call and get a quote. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is go through your apartment, start with your closet and work your way through each room and get a rough estimate of how much you think. Like, I think for our place, I have a policy for $15,000. Okay. You know, just something that'll cover your stuff. Yeah. In the event of an accident. Branches um, of insurance. Great Excellent. tip. Excellent return on investment. Yes. I like that tip. So hopefully, if you like our tips, you will let us know. Tweet us. The BA Podcast. At the BA Podcast. At yes. the BA Podcast. Uh, Facebook. Brown Ambition. And email. Brown Ambition Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> we should be a singing group. <laughs> oh, gosh. So we are closing out this week's podcast with our wins. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Right? That's good. <laughs> you like that one, right? I'm going to save that for every every single segment we do of the wins. Oh, you should have let me practice my, my notes first. But you know oh, what? That was good. That's good. <laughs> so this win is near and dear to my heart. We talked about baby limbo. I am a first-time auntie. And we have a little boy in a family full of women who are ready to spoil. She told me, she told me before the baby came, you know, I'm not buying anything, right? <laughs> and true to form, to. she didn't have to. Not with four aunties who are just doting on this little baby. He's the cutest. And I love my little peanut. That's my nickname for him. And um, yeah, so that's my win for the week. Oh, good for her. Good for you. New babies are great. Yes. If you're ready for that. Yes. <laughs> um, Okay, my win of the week. I need to call out a, uh, I would say an associate of mine. We went to college together. And you know how you go to school with someone, you know them well, and then you leave school, and then you kind of drift apart, and you mm-hmm. go do your own thing. and um, But you still follow each other on social media. Mm-hmm. Like, I still kind of social media stalk her. Mm-hmm. And I've been following her career, and I'm really proud of her. I think she's doing our school um, proud. Um, her name is Macy Peterson. And she has this app, which is pretty genius. It's called On Second Thought. Mm-hmm. Um, it's for Android users. And this is going to solve, one, it, it pretty much solves the problem all of us have faced with our texting. Okay. It allows you to take back a text. Really? Like, yeah. Not take it back in the sense that you send it and you can get it back. But I think how it works is that you send a text through the app and then you have like an hour delay or a 24 mm. hour delay. Like if you think you might regret sending it in the morning. Okay. Let's say you had a couple glasses of wine. Mm. You're not toasted, but like you're just, you know, you think maybe I'll send it to you on nice. second and we have like nice. a five second delay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. You're feeling nice. <laughs> um, and you feel like you feel some kind of way about your what your mom said to you about, you know, your hair last week and mm-hmm. you want to let her know how you feel. You can send it to you on second, on second thought, the app. And have a day or an hour delay before the the text actually gets sent. Okay. 
pretty smart idea. It is. Um, so she presented this at, uh, I think it started at South by Southwest last year. And in just a year's time, she's raised hundreds of thousands of wow. dollars. And she's moving the app and her startup from D.C. to Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. She's like living the entrepreneur's dream. And she's a brown girl. Uh, and she's a brown girl in tech, which is so rare yes. and so necessary. And it's awesome to see her doing so well. So I just want to give Macy a shout out. Yes, Macy. Virtual Maybe I'll high call five. Her. Yeah, right. Maybe I'll stop just stalking her and let her know how I really feel. <laughs> no, that's um, awesome. Macy, we should have her on one day. I'm sure she has lots of tips to share. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. So, hope you enjoyed this week's show. Me and Mandy enjoyed being here with you. If you'd like to find us, where can they find us? You can find us on Twitter at the BA Podcast, on Facebook at Brown Ambition, or please send us emails, compliments, complaints. Send us your wins of the weeks, your brown breaks. So, email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. See you soon. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.